You are now listening to the Faith Community Bible Church Podcast. It's our prayer that this message is not only a blessing to you, but to your entire family. Join us as we aim to make Christ known in our community by caring for the community. God bless. Romans chapter 8, verses 31 through 39. I want to, we're going to tag this today as a subject. I put that on everything I love. I put that on everything I love. You think about your life. What is your greatest joy today? Now, now when I talk about greatest joy, let me give you some parameters as you process this. Don't shift your pain to somewhere else and say, well, if I wasn't this way. I want you to view your joy in light of your pain. With every ounce of pain in view, with every piece of struggle right in front of you, I want to remind you of something. There is no place called away. We got to struggle. We got to go through some stuff. So with every ounce of pain that, that, that you are experiencing, with every piece of struggle right in front of you, what is your greatest joy today? I had to process this. And the more I processed, I began to realize, y'all, that the greatest joy that I have in this life is just simply being connected to Christ. That's the greatest joy that I have, that that, that we ought to have as genuinely converted, blood-bought believers. It's to be connected to Christ. And because we are connected to Christ, we can rest assured that once we are with God, We are with God. Let me tell you, right, hopefully that's giving you some peace today because I know, right, sometimes life hurts so bad that you, for you as a believer, that you feel like God has left you. You feel like God has abandoned you because certain people have left, right? You struggling financially, almost to the brink possibly of losing your job. Your body is rocking with pain. You don't know what's going to happen from one day to the next. But I want you to know today that you can rest assured that once you are with God, you are with God. And that's the main point. You can rest assured that once you are with God, you are with God. The greatest joy in this life is being connected to Jesus. It's being connected to the one who's all-powerful, the one who's all-knowing, the one, right, who holds all things in his hands. And because you're connected to him, we can rest assured that once we are with God, we are with God. When you know something for a fact, how do you stand on it, though? I'm talking about when you know that you know. When there's nothing that nobody can do, nothing, nothing that anybody can do or nothing that anybody can say to change your mind, maybe when you, uh, when you know for a fact that your team is going to win or when there's so much information that you have or that, that you have, if will, the inside scoop, and no matter how much of a compelling case the other side puts up, you just know what you know. And you can't be outdone. Well, when I was in middle school, when we were in that situation, when we knew something, one of the ways that we expressed the sentiment was to challenge the position of the other person. And we would say, Kenny, what meant put that on something? 
We'll say, put that on something. And, and, if, and if it were you with the information that you knew whatever happened, you couldn't be proved wrong. You already know what the next response is. I mean, I put that on everything. I love that. Interesting thing is, that's what Paul is doing in this text. As Paul is communicating here with the church at Rome, right, what he's saying is that I put it on everything I love that once you are with God, you are with God. I put it on everything I love that no matter what you are experiencing in this life, God is always with you. I want to lift the pressure or rather the weight that we tend to carry thinking that because life hurts so much because there's so many questions that's left unanswered in this season, right? You're just like, you know what, maybe God is gone or maybe God has turned the faucet off. No, he hasn't turned, uh, he hasn't turned off the faucet. Actually, he's pouring into your heart. Can you hear him? If you've ever experienced life at all, many times you find yourself honestly just ready to walk away from it all. Throwing in the towel and just simply quit. But hear this. After examining our text, we find Paul telling the church at Rome, Paul here is poking his chest out with confidence, sharing with them that regardless of what they might experience in this life, hear this, nothing will be able to separate them from the love of God. Paul is saying here, listen, I put that on everything I love that while the struggle is real, so is freedom. I put that on everything I love that while life has struggle, we have freedom in Christ. Paul is saying here, I put that on everything I love that while I, I, that our suffering today does not compare at all to the splendor that we'll experience tomorrow. I put it on everything I love that nothing will be able to separate us from the love of Christ that's found in Christ Jesus our Lord. I remember several years ago, right, um, some of y'all, I may have told y'all this before, but I remember we was going to this concert, me, it was me, Tracy, Daryl, Nikki, Justin, our kids, right? And I was driving this green van, right? If y'all remember the green van, ain't the Lord all right? And Justin decides to lean on the mirror. And Lady Melinda, the mirror falls off. So I find myself, yeah, Justin still owes me to this day. What we did, Sister Cassandra, was we tried rope. It couldn't hold it. We tried tape. It didn't hold. So I called a mechanic that I know and told him what was going on. He said, hey, what you need is you need some epoxy. And he said, if you put some epoxy around the mirror, right, uh, around it, and then he said, then put the tape up, give it some time to let it cure. And I guarantee you that nothing will be able to separate the mirror from the car, right, because it's strong enough to hold. I trusted the mechanic, so that's what I did. After all the information, he instructed me. I said, well, I, I don't know, Bratori, how to put it on. He said, follow the instructions. It's all in the package. So I followed the instructions, right, and, and did it. And, and lo and behold, after a certain amount of time, when I finally read the instructions, see, because before, Mama teacher, I didn't read the instructions. I just thought that I was just supposed to squeeze it. But it wasn't until I read the instructions and applied it right that the mirror finally stopped falling off. 
Because when I read the instructions and applied it properly, I learned nothing can separate this mirror from this car. What am I saying? Right? If we read the instructions properly, instead of assuming what the instructions say, nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God that's found in Christ Jesus our Lord. We got to understand this, right? This illustration really helps us to see our lives as believers. We go around thinking that we're all good, but as soon as pressure hits, we begin to fall apart. Life continues to happen all around us. We do things our way without reading the instructions and find ourselves right back where we first started with the purchaser. But hear this. If you're blood-bought and you belong to Christ, Right, it's through his death, burial, and resurrection. And those of us who've responded to the gospel have the responsibility to follow the instructions that he's given us. Because listen, when you belong to him, you belong to him. When you do things God's way, nothing can separate you from him. Even when life begins to happen around you, when winds rise and blow, and you'll find that nothing can separate you from him. Yeah, you're going to experience suffering. At times, that suffering will cause us to want to quit. But our suffering, let me tell you this, your suffering is redemptive. It's redemptive. God just don't have you suffering just so you can say, I'm going through something. He's using your suffering to open your eyes and tender your heart. I remember, right, um, my dad, right, he used to make, right, these pork steaks. When we were kids, it was this light green Tupperware thing. He would put them in there, right? We knew, right, that whenever dad made pork steaks, he would make pork steaks with spaghetti, right? It hit. Let me, let me press pause there. Uh, spaghetti is a side dish. So, um, so, so in that, right, I remember, right, he would season his pork steaks, and then he would use some meat tenderizer. But then in the kitchen, there was this wooden hammer-looking thingy, right? And I remember saying, Dad, what is it for? And he said, well, whenever you're making a thick cut of meat, you want to put some meat tenderizer on it, but this is what you call, son, this is not a kitchen hammer. It's a meat cleaver. And he said, well, sometimes, right, what I want to do is I want to beat the meat. Tuesday conversations, don't it? So he said, you want to hit it because it makes the meat more tender. So if you want it to taste good and come out the right way, Sometimes, right, you got to use something hard to get it where it needs to get to. I believe that God wants us to know that too. Your suffering is redemptive. The reason why the wind is beating in your life and the storm is beating on your life isn't because he wants to break you. He wants you to be tender, right? Uh, nothing pleases God, Scripture says, but a broken spirit and a contrite heart. God is using your struggling to make your heart contrite. He's using his suffering to break you from yourself. What am I saying? I put that on everything I love. They want once you belong to him, hear this, you belong to him. John 10, and John 10, Jesus proves this point. He says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one, 
will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Y'all hear this, right? There is no separation. Because we experience the love of Christ, the emphasis. The emphasis here, as Paul closes out chapter 8, the emphasis here is on the security of the blood bought. Now, notice before he even gets to security, before he even gets to security of the blood bought, beginning at verse 31, 1 through 30, he's telling us how we are secure by the personal work of the Holy Spirit. He spends 30 verses telling us about the person and work of the Holy Spirit, or in other words, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, then begins to tell us, hey, because the Spirit of God has been at work in your life all this time, in Christ, believer, you are secure. You can rest assured that once you are with God, you are with God, right? We don't need to fear the past. We don't need to, right, be be exasperated by the present or even be distracted by what's tomorrow holds because we are secure in the love of Christ because of the love of Christ. Believers, y'all, we gain assurance knowing that God is for us in all the testing, all the suffering, right, that that confront us as followers of Jesus. We can be confident that we are more than conquerors through Christ who loves us as believers. We can experience suffering in this age, right? Come here, uh, 1 Peter 4, 12, right? Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which has come to test you as though some strange thing were happening to you. He's saying, why are you surprised that you're suffering? You shouldn't be surprised that you're suffering. You should be surprised that you made it through it, Right? But then he warned them. He says, he says, right, oh, 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 you tired of the many trials? But then he says, count it all joy when you experience various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. We can rest assured that once you are with God, hear this, you are with God. Nothing can separate us from God. But here in this text, though, here in our text, Paul has just finished talking about, talking to the Romans about the Holy Spirit and their suffering. He admonishes, he encourages them that your suffering today, remember, does not compare to the splendor that you'll experience tomorrow. By sharing with them that everybody will experience pain, everybody uh, has help, and all things work together. But I love how he begins, right, to land the plane here in Romans 8. He begins to land this plane asking a question. He says here, What then are we to say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us, right? Here's, here's, right, how you ask that question in St. Louis. So now that you know you're going to suffer for God's glory, what's going to be your response? Not read, but response. What's going to be your response? Now that you know, right, that you're going to suffer for God's glory, What is going to be your response? He says, what then are we to say to these things, right? If you really know what these things are, it really helps you with the, to end this passage, right, these things was all the suffering. These things was the predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. These things were us being justified by Christ. What do I say to these things? 
right? What, what do I say to my suffering, right? What do I say to my pain? What do I say, right, to my difficulties? So now that you know you'll suffer for God's glory, what will your response be? Remember this. It's not that we suffer. The issue is our response. Because we know that we're going to suffer. What do we do about it? Because we know that God has predestined us to be conformed to the image of his son. What do we say to this? Because we know that Holy Spirit is active in every area of our life. What do we do? What do we, what do we say to these things to encourage them here? Paul is saying, listen, I put it on everything I love. That we are when we are with God, we are with God. Don't respond to these things as if he isn't there. Don't respond to these things as if you are the only one going through it. Don't respond to these things as if it's all about you or, or that it actually has an effect on your relationship with the Father. He's saying, I put it on everything I love that once you are with God, you are with God. And we can rest assured that once we are with God, guess what? You're with God. Once you are with God, you're with God. Nothing can separate us from God. But Paul, as he tells them, I put it on everything I love, that once you're with God, you're with God. Nothing can separate you from God. He gives right here four pieces of evidence in this text. Four pieces of evidence that help us to embrace this truth that once we're with God, we're with God. Number one, we can rest assured that when we're with God, we're with God. Number one, here's the first piece of evidence. God is for you. God is for you, right? <laughs> Look at the text, right? It's here in the text, right? What then are we to say to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He did not even spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him grant us everything? Listen, I know you feel beat up, abandoned. You feel like what you're experiencing in this life right now doesn't quite make sense. And you're just like, God, where are you? You left me hanging. Paul is encouraging you right here in this text, reminding you that God is for you. Listen, y'all, God is for us. Our Heavenly Father is for us. And let me tell you this. Not only is he for you, but he proved it. He put his weight behind his name. He put some strength behind his power. How did he do it? By giving his son. Because God is for you, his son is for you, and so is his spirit. God is making all things work for us in his person, in his providence. God is for us. Sometimes, y'all, just like Jacob, we, we, we groan, we lament, we, we cry. We whine, right? But, 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 but like, like, think about, right, the story of Jacob, Genesis 42, all these things are against me. We've said that before. Everything that I'm going through is against me, right? When actually, right, what happens is we think that everything is going against us, right? But then Romans 8, 28 counsels it out. All things are working on your behalf because God is for you, and he proved it through the death, burial, and resurrection of his son. God, in his sovereignty, is orchestrating every event in our life. He's, he's orchestrating your suffering. He's orchestrating 
your temptation. He's even orchestrating those things that you want to let go to accomplish both our temporal and eternal benefit. Your suffering is redemptive, right? The conclusion of this is obvious, right? If God is for us, maybe you just need to make it personal. If God is for me, nothing can be against me. No matter what occurs, no one can come against the power. Nothing can come against the authority. Nothing can come against the sovereignty of God's plan for his people. Our hope is found in the fact that God will never go back on what he promised. He'll never go back on what he promised, right? Y'all remember what he said in the, early, in the earlier declaration, right? In the earlier passage. And we know that um, those who love God, all things work together for the good of those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those who he predestined, he also called, invited, he summoned you. And those who he called, those who he invited, those who he sent the invitation to are, um, are also justified, made right. And those who he justified also glorified, meaning that where you are will not be your final destination because God is coming back for you, right, for you to spend eternity with him. What am I saying? God is for you. He's for you. God is for you. Believer, we need to enter into each new day realizing that God is for you. There is no need to fear. Our loving Father desires only the best for his children. Even if we got to go through trials to receive his best. Come on, y'all know. Come here, uh, Jeremiah 29, right? For I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not calamity to give you not only a future but also a hope. What's the point of having a future if we can't hope in nothing that we can take to the bank? <laughs> God is for us because we are his creation. He is for us and nothing can separate us from him. I put that on everything I love. That's what Paul said. I put on everything I love that once you're with God, you're with God. And nothing can separate us from him. Why? Number one, because he's for you. But here, here's number two. Not only, not only are we, is God for us. The second piece of evidence that Paul gives here is God justified. Not only is God for us, but second, God justifies. Watch what he says. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Simply put, right, to be justified is to be declared righteous, to make one right with God. Justification is God's declaring those who receive Christ to be righteous based on God's righteousness being credited to the accounts of those who receive Christ. You, 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 you know, God justifies not because of something you did. You're declared righteous not because you the best thing since sliced bread or because you're the greatest miracle since Miracle Whip. Well, if that, well, why did he justify me? Because he's a just God. Why did God extend his mercy to, why is God so merciful to those who don't deserve it? Because he's a merciful God. It's, it's who he is. 
right? Uh, it's not because of what we've done, but because of Jesus' finished work on the cross. I love what Paul said to the church of Corinth in 2 Corinthians 5.21. He says, he made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We are justified, declared righteous at the moment of our salvation. It's important for us to know, y'all, that justification does not make us righteous. Justification does not make us righteous, but pronounces us righteous. It don't make you righteous. It pronounces us righteous. So if justification don't make us righteous, Pastor Mike, then the question that we must answer is, well, what is it then that makes us righteous? If God declares us right, if God declares us justified, if God justifies and, it, and it's not, uh, and I'm not justified, right, um, in that way, right, it just pronounces, if justification only pronounces us righteous, then what is it that makes me righteous? Is it what I do? That sounds about right. Because I, I mean, I pray over my food. Well, certainly I'm justified because of what I do. I mean, I don't drive past the people who ask if a spur change. I give it to them. I mean, I roll my eyes and I get tired and I judge them when I come up because I already know what they're going to say. So certainly it's, it's me. Is it what I say? I mean, yeah, I cuss out people from time to time, right? I trust you, God, to save my heart but not redeem my tongue. So certainly, is it what I say? What is it that makes us righteous? God, is it, your, is it your law? Is it your word? God, I mean, I don't keep it all the way. I just, I mean, I know John 3, 16, but don't trip. God ain't, God ain't through with me yet. Is it human ever that makes us righteous? It's not. There's nothing you can say, nothing you can do. There's nothing you can memorize to make you right with God. Notice in the text, right, he says that um, it is God who justifies, but he gives evidence, right? Verse 32, he did not even spare his own son, but gave him up for us. Drop down to verse 34 again, evidence to prove that it's God who justifies. Christ Jesus is the one who died, but even more has been raised. He also is at the right hand of God. It is God who justifies us, not because of our actions, not because of our own words, but because of the mercy shown toward us through the death, burial, and resurrection of his son. Right? It's interesting that we want to rise with Christ, but whenever scripture says die to yourself, we make excuses. Thinking that we, 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 we justify, or there's nothing you can do to be right in your own strength because honestly, everything you touch, you contaminate. This means, y'all, that God declared us righteous in Christ. Because hear this, right? Notice he says, right before he says it is God who justifies, in the text he says, who is it that can, that can condemn? Right? Satan would love to accuse you. But we stand righteous in Christ. People would love to condemn, but here's your shout. While people will love to condemn, even if you are guilty, you did what they said. It was you, right, flicking off the guy with the fish in his back window, right, because he cut you off in traffic. It was you, right, who was cussing at your boss and can, can easily see where your boss fell but can't even see the own sinfulness of your own sin. It was you on videotape that did all of that stuff, right? Even if you are guilty, hear this, believer, 
it is still God who justifies. Right? We are God's elect, chosen in Christ and accepted in Christ. God will certainly not accuse us since it is he who justifies. For him to accuse us would mean, y'all, that his salvation was a failure and we are still in our sins. But understanding the meaning of salvation, y'all, brings peace to our hearts because when God declares the believing sinner righteous in Christ, that declaration never that's the joy in being justified by God because the declaration never changes. Y'all, we all make mistakes. We all sin, right? Romans 3, right? But once he declared, God ain't changing his mind from declaring you righteous, right? That's why he's allowed his spirit to take up residence and you to, get, to help you to remind you of what he called you to do. Let me tell you this. God expects you to be imperfect. Because it's by his spirit that you're being perfected. We, can, we, we may accuse ourselves. And different human beings may accuse us, y'all, but God will never take us to court and accuse us. Jesus has already paid the penalty. And because Jesus paid the penalty of our sin with his life, hear this, we are secure in him. What are we getting at here? Exactly what Paul was getting at here on everything I love. <laughs> that once you are with God, you are with God, and nothing can separate us from God. Third, listen, not only do we look at this text, Nate, and see that God is for us, number one. Number two, Davina, we see God justified. But here's number three, third piece of evidence. God listens. He listens. <laughs> Let me tell you this. He hears you. God listens. He knows your pain. He knows exactly where it hurts. He knows exactly where your pressure points are. Hear this. Your prayers, your sighs, your groanings are not falling on deaf ears. God hears your pleas. Don't stop crying out to him. Do not, whatever you do, don't stop communicating with God. Let me tell you, I know what your friends are saying. Communicating with God is not like watching paint dry. It's not. It's more like riding a roller coaster. Sometimes you're up, sometimes you're down, but you're on the right track. It may at times be some sharp turns, but just hold on tight because he hears you, right? We, we, we were talking this week, um, and Pastor Baker says, hey, y'all remember seeing that video where the guy was on a roller coaster, and as soon as it went up, and as soon as it dropped, the guy said, ah, and he, he was so afraid of this roller coaster, right, that as soon as it dropped, he passed out. This is the funniest thing ever. Y'all, we laughed for a while thinking about that. <laughs> what if your prayers were that way? That instead of you, right, saying, God, I'm tired of talking, right, as soon as, right, you going up, you, you, when you going up to the hill, 
right? When you're going up to where God is, you, you're giving him your full attention. But as soon as you get to the peak, right, and as soon as you drop, you say, God, I trust you. He hears you. He knows your pain. I love, right? Hebrews 4.14, therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, here it is, let us approach, let us come near, draw near to the throne of grace with boldness. With, let, me, let me tell you, do you know that like when you first get in Six Flags, you go through the gate, you go to the right, the first ride is the Batman. And to get on that joker for the first time, Gwen, boldness. Because you mean to tell me, right, when I get on the ride, I'm sitting down, but when as soon as it starts moving, I ain't sitting, I'm just dangling. Boldness and courage. Ranisha like, shoot, I jumped off a plane, I ain't scared of nothing. That is craziness. But he says, approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in the time of need. God listens, right? God is listening to you. So when times get tough, that ain't the time to stop talking to him. He's listening. God is listening. Not only is God listening to you, but here it is. Christ is interceding on your behalf. Like, like you got to hear this, right? The word intercede, when he says Christ is interceding on our behalf, right, this word intercede in its original language brings us back to our English word appeal or to obtain an audience, right? Here's the joy here. God listens. Why? Because he recognizes the voice of his son. That's why when we pray, we got to create rhythms where we pray in the word. When we pray, right, we talk God's word back to him. God, you said you would never leave me nor forsake me. You said that you, that, that you were going to be with me every God, you said all things work together. God, you said you know my plans. God, you said if I abide in you, you'll abide in me. God, you said draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. You said to count it all joy. You said that at some point there will be no more tears. You said that keep my mind in you, God. You said that if I present my body as a living sacrifice, I'll know your perfect will. You said the time is now to worship you in spirit. God, you, God, I'm holding you to your word. He recognizes the voice of his son. So, eighth grade, had a science teacher. Her name was Miss Ringo. Later, her name changed to Miss Franklin. Don't know why. No, that wasn't it. You got to see her. Uh-uh. <laughs> so, for whatever reason, me and Miss Ringo Franklin, <laughs> we didn't quite get along. Some would say that I was a rough kid. I say no. 
It's her fault. I remember she wrote me up, sent me to the office. My dad comes home to talk to me, and he says, son, why is it that this teacher said that you doing this? Then I started crying. Dad, Dad, you said that I can come and talk to you. Dad, you said you look, Dad, you said this, Dad, you said that. Dad, why don't you ever believe me? He said, son, I feel your pain. You can really feel mine in a minute. But he said, I did tell you that you can talk to me, and I meant it. I did tell you that you can bring your courage to me, and I meant it. But the reason why I believe what the teacher said is because I know my son. He recognized the behavior and the rhythms of his son to know that this teacher ain't going to say this just to be saying it. Because I know my son. Do you know that God listens because he knows the behaviors of his son? What am I saying? God is looking at you and wants to see the reflection of his son. That's why our prayers need to be redeemed, and we need to begin to pray Psalm 139. God, search me and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. If there's anything, lead me in your way everlasting. Right? Christ is interceding on our behalf. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is the one who died, but even more than that, he has been raised. He is also at the right hand of God, and he's interceding for us. Christ is interceding for us. It is Christ who is petitioning God, praying, communicating with God on our behalf. Therefore, we are secure in him. Not only is Christ interceding for us, but the Spirit of God ought to be at work in you to where you too can talk to God. Do you know, yeah, that Christ is the liaison between us and God, but we have, he says, I've given you the keys to the kingdom. Therefore, he's given us the keys to unlock the door. So therefore, yeah, we can talk to Christ and we can talk to God for ourselves. Let me ask you a question. How often do you talk to God? I'm talking about turning off everything, having the courage to drop to your knees and say, God, I know you listening. It may not feel like it, but I know, God, your word is true. Where you say you incline your ear to me. God is listening. He's listening. He's listening. Understand this. Paul is saying here, I put it on everything I love that when you're with God, you're with God. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Why? Because it's God who justifies. God is for us. God listens to us. He listens to us, yes, but he listens to Christ on our behalf. He recognizes the voice of his son. But here's the final point. How do we know that once I'm with God, I'm with God? How do I know that nothing can separate me from God? Final point. Here it is. Final piece of evidence. Because God prevails. Hallelujah. God prevails. How do we know it? Look at the text. Verse 35. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Can affliction or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, because of you, we're being put to death all the day long. We are counted as sheep to be slaughtered. No, 
in all these things. Here it is. We are more than conquerors. How? Through him who loved us. For I'm persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor debt, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Listen, Paul says here, I put it on everything I love that nothing can separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus our Lord. But why? Why? I love that. He says here, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. The answer to the why in this text, Mike, is found in the what? The answer to the why is found in the what? Why does God, how is it that God prevails? How, how, do, how is it that like the answer to the why is found in the what? It's found in the more than conquerors, right? He said, see, when he says here, more than conquerors, this word conqueror here simply means prevail. But it's not just to prevail. But whenever prevail is connected to things that pertain to God, what it means is prevail completely. Prevail completely. What am I saying? The reason why we are secure in Christ is because we are more than conquerors through him who loved us because in God we prevail completely. We're not just conquerors. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We are more than conquerors because our God, he doesn't just prevail. He prevails completely through Christ. All things are new. Come here, 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ. He's a new creature. All things, all old things pass away, but all things are made new. How am I secure in Christ? How do I know, right, that Paul was confident and he could put it on everything he loved? Because, because of who God is, we prevail completely. God didn't just bring you through it just to leave you where you are. He wants you to prevail. He don't just want you to win. He wants you to prevail completely, right? Think about it. He says, I come that you might have life, not just life, but life more abundantly. He said, I don't want you to just survive. You know, God didn't give you life in him just for you to survive. He wants you to thrive, right? God prevails. We are more than conquerors because God prevails completely through Christ. All things are made new. Let, let me give you a word. I, 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 want, I really want you to see this, right? Because who God is, God prevails. And because you are connected to him, you prevail. That's how, like, I can put on everything I love, right? Once you are with Christ or, or once you are with God, you are with God. Nothing can separate you from him. Let's look at Revelation 21. Then I'm done, I promise. Here it is. Then I heard a loud voice. Now, here it is. You got to understand here. It just wasn't any loud voice. That wasn't, right, somebody from, uh, from Bell Noah, <laughs> Bell Ridge with a loud voice, right? <laughs> it just wasn't any loud voice, right? It, it, it was a loud voice that came from an important place. He said, I heard a loud voice from the throne, 
right? I heard a loud voice from a place of conquering, from a place of prevail. I heard a loud voice from a place of kingship, from a place of kingdom. He says, look, God's dwelling is with humanity, and he will live with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them and will be their God. Here it is. He tells you, prevail. Here it is. He will wipe away every tear from their eye. Death will be no more. Grief, crying, and pain will be no more because the previous things have passed away. Then the one seated on the throne connected it to this. I heard a loud voice, right? I heard from the one sitting on the throne, look, I'm making everything new. He, he, said, he also said, right, because these words are faithful and true. Then he said to me, it's done. I am Alpha and Omega, beginning and the end first and the last, all things in between. I will freely give to the thirsty from the spring of water of life. The one who conquers will inherit these things. I will be his God. He will be my son. What am I saying? Right? I put that on everything I love that where you are right now does not compare to what you will experience on tomorrow. Once you are with God, you are with God. There is no one. There there is no thing, there is no thought that can ever take you from the hand of God. I know you're crying. I know you're tired. But hear this. What shall we say to these things? <laughs> if God is for us, there's nothing, no one that can be against you. They can hate on you all they want to. But hear this. God will make a table for you in the presence of your enemy. Do you know God cares for you? Understand this. We are more than conquerors because God prevails. He doesn't just prevail. He, can, he prevails completely. You're in God's hands. Maybe you forgot. Maybe pain is paining so much that you're too busy distracted by pain. What if God was right in the eye of the storm, but you couldn't get to it because you're too busy running from it? What if exactly what God wanted to do in your life was right on the other side of what you're running from. Would you ever get to it? Let me tell you this. The future going to happen with or without you. Just like the past is yesterday, the present is a gift. Will you rest in God's hand? Paul already challenged it. He already proved it. He said, I put it on everything I love. That nothing will separate you from the love of God that's found in Christ Jesus our Lord. Once you are with God, you are with God. Maybe you're here and you just don't always feel like he's there with you. If that's you, won't you stand up where you at? Remember, it's he who can, who can condemn. Nobody here. It's God who justifies. 
you can stand up right where you are. We would love to pray with you. Maybe, right, it's one thing to feel abandoned by people, but maybe, have you ever felt abandoned by God? If that's you, won't you stand? God has not left you hanging. Maybe you're here and you're willing to admit, you know what? Sometimes I feel like God is there because I find myself suffering from self-inflicted gunshot wounds. Let me tell you, however, the, however it came, you don't have to bleed out. You can rest in the hands of the Father. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Thank you for listening to the Faith Community Bible Church Podcast. We hope you are encouraged by the message on today. To respond to today's message, please go to fcbcstl.com forward slash respond. If you would like to give to support the mission and vision of Faith Community Bible Church, you can go to fcbcstl.com forward slash give. God bless.